Good morning. I'll be reading from the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 63, starting at verse 15, and you can find that on page uh, 659 of the uh, Bibles that you have in front of you. Look down from heaven and see from your lofty home, holy and beautiful. What is your zeal and your might? Your yearning and your compassion are withheld from me. Yet you are our father, even though Abraham does not know us and Israel doesn't recognize us. You, Lord, are our father. Your name is our redeemer from ancient times. Why, Lord, do you make us stray from your ways? You harden our hearts so we do not fear you. Return. Because of your servants, the tribes of your heritage, your holy people had a possession for a little while. But our enemies have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those you never ruled, like those who did not bear your name. If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that mountains would quake at your presence. Just as fire kindles brushwood and fire boils water to make your name known to your enemies so that nations will tremble at your presence. When you did awesome works that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard, no one has listened to, no eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. You welcome the ones who joyfully does what is right. They remember you in your ways. But we have sinned and you were angry. How can we be saved if we remain in our sins? All of us have become like something unclean and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities carry us away like the wind. No one calls on your name, striving to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us melt because of our iniquity. Yet, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We all are the work of your hands. Lord, do not be terribly angry or remember our iniquity forever. Please look, all of us are your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praised you, has been burned down, and all that was dear to us lies in ruins. Lord, after all this, will you restrain yourself? This is the word of the Lord. We are in a sermon series, which is more than a sermon series, but really a call uh, to us to be a a people who uh, commit the next month to a season of prayer and fasting for renewal in the region in which we live here in Niagara, the region we love. And uh, uh, this morning, I want to unpack for us what I mean by the, the word renewal. When we say uh, we're, uh, we're calling this series Awaken Niagara, uh, a, a, a movement of prayer and fasting for renewal in our region. What do we mean by awaken? What do we need, mean by the words renewal? And uh, the, the reason we chose this passage here from uh, the prophecy of Isaiah is because it's this uh, 
powerful and passionate prayer that Isaiah prayer, prays. Um, when God's people are in exile, when God's temple has been destroyed, where, where worship is not happening, where uh, there's moral decay all around, where the people of God are weak and helpless, where the work of God seems like it's at a standstill, Isaiah prays out and he intercedes and he says, Lord, we need you to act. We want to wait upon you. We, we need you to act in a fresh way. And he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That you would visit us. That your presence would be known. And he, and he has these, these great images of, of the mountains quaking, of um, boiling water, of, of fire kindling brushwood, where, where there's suddenly a change, where there's an earthquake, everything is still, and all of a sudden it's shaking. Uh, when water's boiling, it's water, and then all of a sudden there's bubbles, and uh, a fire, it's just, there's heat, but then all of a sudden there's a flame, right? There's this sudden change when the God's presence comes down, when God rends the heavens, it says opens the heavens and comes down. And there's this passionate prayer that Isaiah pray, prays and he says, Lord, we want to see it. I want to see a turnaround. I want to see uh, worship restored. I want to see the temple rebuilt. I want to see your people prosper and flourish again so that your name would be known. To your enemies so that nations will tremble at your presence so that you would be known, God. This is for your glory, for your fame. We want to, to, to see this. And so that's what renewal is. That's what awakening is. When, when God brings to life that which is dead, when, that, when what's dull and what's decayed, God animates again and, and brings new life and new energy and new momentum and new fire. And so we want to be a people who contend for spiritual awakening in our time. Amen. We want to be a people who contend for spiritual awakening in our time. So I want to, so it's a bit of a vision Sunday to hopefully sow some seeds of, of, of hunger in, into, into all of us this morning of, Lord, if you would act, if you would move in a powerful way, what, what's possible? What could happen? So uh, there's a couple of, uh, Stages, or there's a, how, how we normally experience God. I just want to, uh, outline for us a bit of a, a process, uh, or, uh, the, where we've seen God work in the past and how God normally works through His people. Um, we usually experience God in these kind of ways. And so, the first is regeneration. Regeneration is where is, is, is personal revival, really. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts you of sin and He and He reveals to you uh, the the need that you have to be restored to God. And you see the cross, you see Jesus, you see the atonement, you see new creation, and you move from death to life. You're regenerated, born again. You're given life in your spirit, and you're restored to God. They call that regeneration. And, and, and as the, the Holy Spirit does that regenerating work, He often leads us to a process of restoration where this is discipleship. This is where we become, uh, where, where God brings back things that were lost in your life. Maybe He deals with generational sin that you've inherited. And, and it's a beautiful thing to watch God restore and repair a life as we begin to walk with Him. 
And as, as he restores our life, often what happens is a personal reformation of our life. We become aware, more and more aware of our old way of life and become more aware of our need to walk by the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit. And, and the Spirit of God, um, he, he births fruit in us. Galatians 5 says what this is when the spirit of God is at work in your life, your life is going to be marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we begin to walk more and more with Jesus, walking in Christ, being clothed with Christ, the, the New Testament says. And if that happens in a bunch of people. We're, we're becoming more and more aware of our, not only our great need of Jesus and, um, and dealing with and, and allowing Him to restore those things that have been broken and lost in us and, and, and learning to walk by the Spirit of God. If that happens in enough, in enough people, we, it goes to what we call a renewal. Renewal is, is, uh, among a group of people not, where there's a dynamic that's happening, where there's momentum and, and fresh energy, where it's not just about, you know, charismatic leaders or uh, environments that are created for you, us, but there is this energy. Often it's a, a, around maybe a particular doctrine, a, a particular truth or, or specific promises or or practice of the church. And there's there's renewal movements around um, that where there's energy and momentum, we're see. I would say what we're witnessing in Burundi right now, with uh, under the leadership of Onusfor, um, in uh, in Transform Burundi Network, in, in the Antioch School that they're leading, is a is a renewal movement uh, toward, of the church towards mission and, and outreach and 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 sound doctrine and and deep theology. And so we're, there's energy and there's movement and momentum and multiplication that's starting to happen. Now, renewal continues. We see what um, in, in history we have what was called are called revivals. A revival, uh, I like Jonathan Edwards' definition of revival. A revival is the acceleration or the intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. It's just a, an acceleration of what he's always doing. So the, what usually takes 20 years now takes two months. The, the number of people that come to faith in Jesus that usually would happen over 20 years, you know, that number come to faith in Jesus in two months. It's just time collapses on itself and, and, and things are happening quickly and powerfully. And if that then spills out of the church into the world, we have what are called awakenings. And where, where the, the a world around us is transformed, where, um, like, G, like the, the Lord promises in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, He says, "If my people who are called by my name by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land." That that it's not going to be contained within the church. I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to bring cultural transformation and that the surrounding community, the surrounding world will not be the same. Um, there was a revival in uh, there was a, a, a revival movement in Saskatoon uh, last century. And, uh, and and the police chief gave witness to it. He says, I've seen the church at work for a lot of time, but I've never seen this. They're, we are getting flooded with people coming in, confessing crimes we didn't know they committed. 
there's a revival in in Wales, and uh, it, it had such an effect on the the culture and the community around them that they needed to retrain all the ponies that worked in the in the mines. They're, they're called pit ponies because they they were used to being uh, cussed at, sworn at, and and um, the language, the, the commands they knew were swear words, were, were profanity. And ever, everyone stopped swearing because everyone was coming to faith in Jesus and their lives were being changed and the ponies didn't understand what was going on anymore. They needed to, cha- they needed to retrain the horses that worked in the mines because these are kind of fu- funny examples, but what happens when the Spirit of God moves in a powerful way and it spills out from the church and there's... There's, there's a transformative effect on the culture and the community that surrounds us. Now, I want to say, so those first three, ref, uh, regeneration, restoration, reformation, those are personal, right? These are generally what happens within a, an individual. And if that happens in a, a number of things, then renewal and revival are, are corporate, gathered, like within the church. And again, awakening is when... It happens, it's, it's probably happening in a lot of different local churches in an area and the community around it is totally transformed. And I, transformed. And I want to say unapologetically what we're after is awakening. What we're after is awakening. What we would want to see is to see this world around us transformed by the good news of Jesus. Amen? Right? What else, what else is there? That's what we're after. Now, if you read any stats about the church in the West, the church in Canada, it's a lot of doom and gloom. If you want job security, you probably don't want to go into my line of work, right? Because we are closing churches way faster than we're planting them. The church, church attendance, the church of Jesus generally is in decline in the West, but here's the good news. Revival only comes when there's a need for it. Revival only comes when there's a great need for it. And so I want to encourage us to look on the landscape and look on our region, look on our nation with the eyes of faith and spiritual opportunity. I love Habakkuk 3 verse 2. It's a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk where he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. He says, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath. That's what we deserve as a culture that's turned away from you. In wrath, remember mercy. Lord, I've, I've heard of what you've done under Josiah. And the, the renewal movement and the awakening under King Josiah that, that produced Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's where those guys came from, is under a renewal and, a, and an awakening, really, that happened under little King Josiah. As he recalled the people back to, to, to God. And now Habakkuk says, I've heard of that. We're in decline again. The church is weak. The people have turned their back on you. I've heard of what you've done in the past. Would you do it in our time? In our day, would you do it again? In our day, revive us again. In our day. 
I'd encourage us, like, let's make that a refrain for us. In our day, in our time, Lord, we've heard what you've done in other places, or we've heard what you've done in other people's lives, or we've heard what you've done around the world and what you've done throughout history, Lord, in our day, here and now. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Do you believe that? Anything that God has ever done, he can do it again. Anything God's done in the house church movement of China or anything he's done in the, in, in the church movements in Africa or anything he's done, doing currently around the world, he can do here. So as you read these accounts of what God has done in the scripture, as you hear accounts of what he's done in our nation in the past or in other places or at other times, Let's have the refrain, in our time, Lord, in our day, do it again, do it again. In these times of renewal and awakening, there's, there's, there's a, there, there's, they're always unique, but there's always a predictable kind of pattern as well. And so, um, this is generally speaking what, what happens in, these times of renewal movements. First, there's a what, what I'll call a crystallization of discontent. It's a word that psychologists use where, you know, you can be kind of discontent with your life, but, you know, you're not really ready to do anything about it. Your discontent hasn't crystallized. But a crystallization of discontent is, is like someone who's in a cult and suddenly realizes, oh, my goodness, I'm in a cult. I'm getting out. Or someone in an abusive relationship who finally the light bulb goes on, he's never going to change, I'm out. In every move of God, there is a crystallization of discontent where, where we look around and we look not just outside, but we look in the church and say, this is not how it's going to go. God, you have to act. You have to act. It's biblical. Jesus came. And his one-word sermon was, repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn away from the way in which you're going. Turn away from the life that you're currently living. Change your mind. And that, cult, that, that discontent will crystallize into resolve. When you look at the church of Canada today, the church of Niagara, we lack power in the church. We lack the character and credibility. We're the laughing stock of the world. You think about the, the culture in which we live. Think about the moral decline. Pick a category. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So friends, spiritual renewal Spiritual awakening is the need of the hour. It's the need of the hour. You know, we, we live in an incredible time where there is great teaching resources available. There's great worship resources available. Like you can, you could go home today and podcast preachers who are a hundred times better than me. Believe it or not. Like, 
and, and dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Like, we have the internet. We have access to such incredible teaching, such incredible theological work, such incredible worship resources. I have Apple Music. I can listen to literally any worship song that's ever been made. And the world couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. It's not making a dent in our culture. Spiritual renewal is the need of the hour. The church needs power again. So it always starts with a person or a group of people who say no. We see the trajectory we're on and we're not okay with it. Something needs to change. And then there's a revelation of a promise. A revelation of a promise. Psalm 119.25, revive us again according to your word. There's, it's, the, the discontent is based on biblical standards. And yet, what the, what the Lord will often do is he will impress a specific promise on a people. And he'll, and he'll reveal that promise. There's a, a great revival in the Hebrides, which is a group of islands off the coast of Scotland. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. But the Hebrides revival, there was this great discontent in the, in these little churches where there were no young people at all in the church. There was no, there are no young people in the church. And so the, the, and the Lord graciously revived, did a powerful revival, and it, and it was based on the promise of Isaiah 44, verse 3, where God says, I, I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. You hear that promise? I'm going to pour water on thirsty land, streams on dry ground. I'm going to pour out my spirit on your kids. And so these, these people took this promise and they contended for it. Great book. And I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Revival in the Hebrides. You can, if you, if you have a computer, you can buy it on Kindle for like a dollar ninety nine, Less than a cup of coffee. Like, if you want to know what we're after, read this book. Revival in the Hebrides. Contend for the promise. Contend with this promise. In the, in the, uh, in the revival in Wales, it was really based around a song, actually. We still sing the song today. Grace and love like mighty waters poured incessant from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Who is love will not remember. Who can cease to sing his praise. He'll never be forgotten throughout heaven's endless days. Did I get that right? Something like that. There's a revelation of a promise. And as, as people begin to press in, and, and in the Hebrides, they, they began, these people began to pray. There was a small group that got together to pray three times a week from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Right? That's hardcore. 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., three times a week. And they began to pray that. And that, but then there's the, what the, the, really the first stage, then the next stage is really what we call personal examination. Where, where the Spirit of God actually does an inward work among his people first, where there's a, an examination where the Holy Spirit shows you how you're actually a hypocrite about the things that grieve you. 
Those things that you're discontent about, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal how you're actually a hypocrite regarding those things. Where, Where he's shaping you and molding you like a potter in clay so that you can have the character that he can use. So the Holy Spirit points us inward to repentance, not outward to critique. Not outward towards criticism of others, in, but inward to repentance. In the Hebrides, in, that, in these three times a week prayer from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., there's, there's several months in, and one of the deacons, and they're, they're praying through Psalm 24, and Psalm 24 says, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord but him who has uh, a pure, clean hands and a pure heart. And he, he's just broken over this. One of the leaders in the church, he's broken. And he says, are my hands clean? Are my hands clean? And he begins to confess his sin publicly. And he, and he asks for forgiveness of the Lord. And he asks for forgiveness of, of those who were there. He says, what am I tolerating in my life? Who am I thinking that God is? Friends, what do you have a sense of dis-ease about that you haven't repented of? And so the Lord really does a, a renewing work within his people first. And then um, it's only what, what I would describe as contending for breakthrough. Contending for breakthrough. Where... Where, where you take this promise and you really press in and contend and you, you wrestle with God. God, you said you would do this. Now, are you going to do it or not? If you're a parent, it sounds familiar. Right? If you, if you make a, pa- if I make a passing comment about something we might do, my kids will hunt me down until we do it. In the Hebrides, there was a blacksmith, and they were they were gathered at his home in prayer, and 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 he, and he, referring to this promise in Isaiah 44, where he, where the Lord says, "I'm going to pour water on the thirsty ground, streams in the in the desert. I pour out my spirit on your kids." He basically says, "God, I know I'm thirsty, so pour out your spirit on me, and if you won't." I don't know if I can ever trust you to do anything again. You said you're going to do it, but you're not doing it. And so he says, your honor is at stake. So are you going to do it or not? Have you ever prayed like that? You might even wonder, am I allowed to pray like that? But the Psalms are in the Bible. Read a Psalm or two. The Psalms are in the Bible. So that this blacksmith prays like that. He says, God, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for you. I want to be filled with your spirit. Fill me. Pour out your spirit on us. Pour out your spirit on our kids. You said you would. This is your promise. Are you going to do it or not? And he went to the back of the church building and there were 600 young people spontaneously gathered outside. Most of them were at a uh, at a dance hall and all of a sudden the spirit of god came on that place and brought conviction of sin and they 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 fled the scene like the place was on fire they didn't know where they were going they all ended up at the church and they preached the gospel and 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 many of them believed in jesus 
There's this contending for breakthrough. Oh, that you would run the heavens and come down. There's emotional intensity. There's a ferocious conversation with God. There's wrestling with God. It's praying what's really in your heart and getting it out. Isaiah does this here in Isaiah 63, 15, where we started reading. Look down from heaven and see from your, your lofty home, holy and beautiful. You're up there. Would you, would you mind looking down? Where's your zeal and your might? Your yearning and your compassion are withheld from me. God, you say you're the God full of love, full of compassion, full of zeal. That's what you say you are. You're up in heaven. Would you mind looking down? Where are they? We need you to act. We need you to move. Where's your power? What you say isn't lining up with my current experience, God. So would you move now, please? It's contending. It's wrestling. If you've grown up in church, if you're church folk, you probably feel uncomfortable about talking to God this way. But every awakening renewal movement has people contending, wrestling with God. Holding God to his word, holding God to his promise. Evan Roberts in the, the, the Welsh revivals, send the Holy Spirit for Jesus' sake, was the, was the theme prayer. Send the, Father, send the Holy Spirit for Jesus' sake. And then there's a release of the Spirit. Often in surprising ways, at surprising times. You can read about, you know, read about that, like the, in the Hebrides there, where all these kids gather, and that revival spread throughout all the islands. And really changed the, the whole course of, of, of the history of the church there, but really the history of those islands as well. You can read about how the Holy Spirit was released on, during a prayer meeting in, the, in Hernhut for the Moravians, which was a group uh, smaller than we're gathered here today. And the, but the Holy Spirit came upon them as they were gathered in prayer. They were a disunited bunch. They were like bickering and fighting and all kinds of stuff going on. They gathered to pray and have communion, and the Holy Spirit came on them. And a, and a prayer meeting started that lasted for, get this, 100 years. 24-7. A 100-year prayer movement, which became the greatest mission-sending force, really, in church history as well. The Moravians started in a community smaller than ours. So what? So what? Are you hungry? I'd encourage you to cultivate an awareness of the work of God. Maybe you're ignorant. Do you know what he's done? Do you know what he's done in the past? Do you know what he's done in the scripture? Maybe you're living like a beggar when your daddy is a billionaire. Is it possible there's a greater inheritance? There's a greater anointing for us than we're claiming? Are we living like beggars when our dad is a billionaire? Cultivate an awareness of the work of God. Become aware. Read some of these books and give you recommendations. Most of these books I have on my computer, so I can't lend them to you, unfortunately. But they're like, like I said, dirt cheap. You read about the Moravians. You can read about the Hebrides revival, the Welsh revival. 
Evan Roberts, who was the, uh, the leader of uh, the, the, the Welsh revival, said, For 10 or 11 years I prayed for revival, and I spent whole nights reading accounts of revivals or talking about them, and it was the Spirit who was in this way preparing me to think of revivals. Cultivate an awareness of the work of God. Maybe you need to ask for the burden. Ask God for the burden. You see, God is looking for men and women and boys and girls to share the burdens of his heart with. And I I need to say this as well. Many revivals actually start among the kids. It actually includes, it's, it's not that we forget the kids. They include the kids, often, often starting with the kids. The, the revival in Saskatoon that I talked about, they had these prayer meetings and, um, that they were, that they were gathering for prayer and they had a separate one for kids and the kids, the kids outprayed the adults and they said, hey, we need to actually come in and teach you guys, adults how to pray. Includes the kids. God's looking for people to share the burdens of his heart with. And so could you pray, Holy Spirit, I welcome the burden. Give me tears to pray for our church. Give me tears to pray for our community, our region, our nation. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. You see, we will not see spiritual breakthrough with a casual indifference to the cities and region and nation in which we live. We won't see it if if we're casually indifferent. So I encourage you, grab one of these prayer guides. If you haven't gotten one on your way in or got one last week, they're all, there's a bunch of them out in the lobby. And, and one of the things I'm encouraging us to do is to pray for the cities in which we live. And so um, there's a page here in the prayer guide to pray for the city of St. Catharines, to pray for the si- town of Niagara and the Lake, to pray for the city of Niagara Falls. And one of the things we need to do is to pray for other churches in the cities in which we live. Because if awakening is going to come to Niagara, it's not going to be through Cornerstone Community Church alone. And here's, here's a hunch. Here's a hunch. I've actually listed a bunch of these churches uh, in other cities, and I uh, used Google Maps, and so I may have forgotten some, and I apologize to them publicly if I've missed some. But you might, here's the, my hunch is that you might see some churches on this list, and you're like, I don't know if I want to pray for them. That's nervous laughter, right? (laughs) Maybe there's something to repent of there and to seek unity. To seek unity of the body of Christ. That's one of the great objectives we have in this season for prayer is that there would be a greater expression of the unity that Jesus has won for us among the body of Christ. And, and, And we mean not just cornerstone. We mean broader than that. So pray for the cities Intercede for Niagara and the Lake. Intercede for St. Catharines and Niagara Falls and the region in which we live. And pray for an outpouring of the Spirit of God in other churches. Because will we applaud, will we clap and praise the Lord if revival starts in another local congregation in Niagara? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Ask for the burden. Ask for a burden. Maybe you need to repent of casual indifference. That's our culture, actually. Our culture, the culture in which we live, presses us towards either um, refusing to admit that there's an issue or kind of a, an indifference or an apathy or, um, of a, 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 
Pat, what's the word you've used? Where it's never going to change. Complacency, where it's never going to change. Things are what they are. Que sera, sera. Right? Our, that's the culture in which we live. Either deny the problem or just give in to a complacency that says, well, it is what it is. And things aren't going to change. May that not be true of the church. Anyone can change. Any, any, anyone can get in on this. The Holy Spirit can work in anyone's life, and he can actually turn an entire culture around. Many of you know I love sports. And one of the, um, one of the things that's true of, of almost every sport is that you need to run the right play at the right time. You can have a great play, but if you run it at the wrong time, it's going to be ineffective. Think of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago where the Seattle Seahawks had the best running back in the league, Marshawn Lynch, in the backfield. They're one touchdown away, last play of the game. Uh, they're like a couple of yards away from the end zone. All they need to do is give it to Marshawn Lynch. He's going to score a touchdown. They call a great play at the wrong time. Interception, Patriots win again. You can have a great play all you want, but if you call it at the wrong time, you need the right play at the right time. Friends, the need of the hour is spiritual awakening. We need God to move, to rescue us, to renew us, to restore us, to awaken us, to revive us again. The need of the hour is spiritual awakening. So cultivate an awareness of the work of God, ask God for the burden, and then lastly, be patient. Be patient. Don't accept substitutes. Be tempting for us to say, well, we prayed once, I tried it, so now I'm going to go do my own thing and do something maybe that God hasn't called me to. God is not on our timetable. So be patient. And wait for him to work. Even as we go about the regular means of grace, preaching the gospel, gathering for corporate worship, we're saying, Lord, send the fire, though. Send the fire. Send the power. Restore your church. Renew your church. Awaken your church. And have mercy on us. So would you pray with me? So, Father, the leaders of this church have called us to a season of prayer and fasting starting next Sunday. And so, Father, for this week, we ask that you would help us to plan well for that, to know what you're calling us to. And, Father, I pray that you would give us eyes of faith to see spiritual opportunity. And Father, we pray for an awakening. We pray for a renewal. We pray, Lord, that you would do it again. What, we, what you have done in other places and what you have done at other times, we say, Lord, in our time. Send the Holy Spirit for Jesus' sake. Father, pour out on us a spirit of prayer. Pour out on us a spirit of intercession. Pour out on us a spirit of enthusiastic worship. Pour out on us a spirit of joy. Pour out on us a spirit of repentance. 
pour out on us a spirit of holiness, a desire to walk with you. So, Father, we look to you. We are hungry. We are thirsty. How we need you to move. Lord, unless you move the decline of your church in the West, the decline of your church in our nation, the decline of your church in our region is going to continue unless you act and unless you move. So, Father, would you do that among us and use us? We present ourselves before you as your, as your servants, as instruments that you can use. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.